podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Hello, welcome to Chesi Hour. My name is Meads, I'm your host for today. Um, I'm joined by three fantastic guys. Um, I've got Joe, what are you saying, man? Yeah, evening, mate. How's it going? Not too bad, not too bad. I've explained my circumstances, so I don't need to talk, talk too much, you know, so... Anyway, Pels, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. How are you? Oh, you're asking how I am. You know, <laughs> you know I am. Jermaine, how you doing, man? I'm all good, brother. I'm all good. All right, good. Ah, oh, see, you didn't try to stitch me up. The rest of you two are pagans. I can't believe it. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, I want to just get straight to it because, you know, we usually come on the podcast... Well, after the seven wins in a row, you know, we're excited. But at the same time, we were quite objective because we kind of saw this coming. Um, a lot of, you know, our listeners used to say, oh, we're all a bit doom and gloom, a bit negative, etc. But we kind of preempted this kind of um, the up and down nature of our season. Um, and yeah, what? That's five. was four losses from five. Um, we've lost to teams that we really shouldn't, we have no business losing to. West Ham, Bournemouth at home. Um, so it's a bit of a joke thing at the minute, Everton. Uh, so we're giving away points for free. And these are te- against teams that, you know, have been struggling for points. And we just seem to be giving 
every team a lift. Um, I kind of want to get your thoughts on the game because um, it, now it, it it's probably best that it was a couple of days ago and you got time to reflect and watch it again or um, just it it helps with objectivity anyway because when you're watching the game and the heat of, of battle and it's just stressful, um, you're not seeing this, you're not necessarily seeing things um, as clearly as you probably should. But now I've t- taken step a step away from the game. I want to kind of get your thoughts. So, Joe, I want to get how you felt the game went, um, what went wrong, and, yeah, that just a quick rundown of how you felt the game went. Yeah, um, I think really a, a familiar pattern, I think, to what we've seen maybe the past couple of weeks. I think Bournemouth maybe were a little bit uh, smart in, in how they played this. It seems that teams now have kind of figured out that if they, if they step off our centre-backs and, and step off our sort of midfield deep, know that we're not really going to beat them with kind of any sort of long range or pinpoint passing and I think over the first half when we we seemed to play a million long balls that didn't go anywhere mm. um, you know balls around the corner from Jorginho some long some of the longer passes from from the two centre-backs were absolutely atrocious some of the switches to play etc so it felt a little bit like Bournemouth were, were kind of content to almost let us beat ourselves at time and you know, looking to, to Everton and some of the other games that we've seen previously seems to be a little bit of a theme now where teams have realised if you press you know, if you press our midfield, then, then we'll play around you. You know, Jorginho and Kovacic in particular yeah. really, really excel when they're under pressure. I think now teams are thinking, hang on, well, if we step off the centre-backs and actually make them, you know, make them make the aggressive uh, passes, you know, they're not breaking any lines with balls and they're not really that accurate when it comes to playing balls into into the forward. And Tammy is is not, uh, you know, Diego Costa in terms of receiving the ball. So they're almost kind of uh, daring Chelsea to beat them really with, with probably our, our kind of weakest areas, which is, you know, some of these uh, kind of deeper deeper pass completions that we're, that we're seeing. So I think it was a bit familiar, you know, a bit of a familiar pattern. And I have to say, probably as the game went on, the closer it got to sort of 80 minutes or so, um, I, I kind of had the impression that Bournemouth were, were possibly, if they had a chance that they would score. It's mm-hmm. been a bit like that for us recently. So, you know, I was I was super disappointed the following day. Um, you know, a little bit angry because I think, you know, these, these are the games that are really going to d- determine whether we finish in the top four or not. You know, if we get beat by the cities and Liverpool's fair enough, but we yeah. have to sort of beat the teams below us. And I think, as you say, you know, th- these aren't teams that are in particularly good form or have been on a good a good run of games. Mm. They seem to come to us now, and, and they're not intimidated. They're not really intimidated by us. Step, you know, just completely step off of us and and almost wait for the mistake and then and then sort of defend for their lives. So, but it, it's giving teams the blueprint, and that's what I really don't like is is this blueprint that teams seem to have now is step off of us make the centre-backs make passes, make the midfielders play, uh, play in areas that they're uncomfortable with. And, and as you say, if, if they can get set pieces and get crosses in, then, then the, the potential is there for, uh, to score. Yeah. So, yeah, similar. I've, you know what I think? Like, Jermaine, I kind of want to get your, your thoughts on this, but I, I think that we tend to make mistakes every, literally every game. I don't think we've had a game, probably since Ajax away, where we've had... Um, a game that's like literally gone to plan, no errors, no mistakes, just a, uh, a somewhat, I wouldn't say 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10 performance throughout the game. It seems like we just don't have the focus throughout the 90. I feel like we have players that have too many mistakes in them. Um, and it just, again, like Joe says, it just seems like we just, we literally are so easily read by other teams like and isn't that a worry for you yeah no 100% and I think like Joe hit the nail on the head with like a lot of what he said and I think this whole thing of like allowing us to become our worst enemy is kind of what teams are doing they're just 
they say they say to themselves like if we if we give them enough like reason to believe that they're not going to win this game because I think a lot of a lot of heads drop as well yeah. as the game goes on and I see yeah. that with Chelsea and, and it's got nothing to do with young players because um, a lot of our experienced players are on the pitch as well and, yeah. and, and the same thing's happening and it happened under Sari as well in certain games where yeah. the longer the game went on for the more heads that like started dropping mm-hmm. the more mistakes that uh, started to be made and it was just it, I don't know it's just like difficult to watch sometimes because you know the team can play football because mm-hmm. we've seen it this season but then when they get to the final third especially it, we just look like we just start to lack ideas, ideas. do you know just, what I, so many times. What I was thinking though, throughout the game, I thought Bournemouth were pretty. I wouldn't say they're the, the better side. Um, they had the better chances. Um, I don't yeah. think we actually created anything. To, you know, there's certain games we are thinking, ah, oh, okay, you know what, we should we should have won that game. Like yeah. at West Ham, although we didn't create loads of chances, I felt we yeah, still deserved to win. Yeah, yeah. In the first half, I thought, okay, we we created enough to actually win the game, in my opinion. Yeah. But Bournemouth, shocking. Absolutely. I, I don't think we created anything. No, and, um, they, and they knew that, though. And yeah. that's the thing. They, a lot of the teams that we played, yeah, like, uh, um, for example, even the Everton game, like, we all know that they've got players that can hurt you. Yeah. And, and they know that themselves. They know that Richardson on his day can hurt any team. And it's the same with West Ham, and it was the same with, with Bournemouth. We yeah. all know that Bournemouth on their day, when they're attacking you, they're as good as anyone. Yeah. Like, Frazier, Wilson, they had they had guys that weren't even playing, and that was what was more, you know, like worrying. Dis- a, yeah, worrying and disappointing about the game. And and I know like there was this whole thing about going around about oh like are you worried now? And and the thing is, this is what I would have been worried about. Yeah. Like if Jose had come out and said I'm worried because I'm looking at the teams that you know Lampard's setting up against, and he's and you know the team just looks like they lack ideas, yeah. they make basic mistakes. I would have been like, you know what, Jose, you've hit the nail on the head, mate. Like, because this is shocking. Mm. Like now I'm worried because Fleetwood could cross a ball into our box and we'd be we, we'd be all at sea, bro. Like yeah. we wouldn't know what we did. Honestly, Pels, like, I, I kind of want because a couple of people have pointed out that you know Chelsea have looked a bit all over the place since Angola Kante has come back in. And I know you're a big fan, and it's very difficult to criticise him. And for me personally, he's performed quite well individually. Mm. But do you see some sense in this, Pearls? Like, um, the disruption of Kante. Um, do you think it's kind of disrupted the, the Kovacic and Jorginho blend? Um, or is it just all everywhere else, really? N- not really, because I feel like earlier in the season, when we, I'm pretty sure when we had the Super Cup game, the three of them played and they played well. Yeah, I think it's more of the attachment I feel like to the double pivot. Yeah, um, I think that's kind of what is is almost harming them in the sense that at times I feel like players are being shoehorned in, um, and the, the the best three for me is the three of them. Yeah, um, and I, I'm, that's kind of where I see more of the issue, less so Kante and more so. The shape that we've adopted. So, so, so enlighten me. So who's been shoehorned in? Uh, there's a certain um, name. Like, no, I think right. personally, I don't think um, I don't think Mount's playing the best at the minute. Mm-hmm. But I do think that if he was if he was playing as a third midfielder as opposed to almost like a second striker slash number ten, um, we'd find a bit more joy. Yeah. Um, and that's just kind of more in terms of the spaces that they're able to cover as a midfield three. Um, out of possession. To be fair, you could say that we you, we drop into a back into a kind of midfield three anyway. Yeah. Um. But it just 
it's shades of Leicester. Like when we we press high and there's massive gaps. Yeah. Um, I feel like we've kind of, although we don't press as aggressively, those spaces are still quite present um, in the shape that we have. So um, yeah, I think just sometimes almost, and it's le- it's almost less justifiable now because to a degree he's been slightly off form or not slightly off form, but he hasn't been, he hasn't been obviously like firing on cylinders as he was earlier in the year. Um, so then you kind of wonder why concessions are being made. Yeah. But at the same time, um, this is almost what we've called for for a really long period of time in terms of someone to be patient and someone to back and to persist some of these talents. Right. Um, so it might be that in this time, like like anything, and like Lampard, there's, there's an element of um, inconsistency that is going to come um, with someone like Mount or with someone like Tammy or Pulisic. Um, so I guess it's, it's kind of him persisting with them and just giving them a bit of faith, almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I... For, I mean, for me, yeah. So how, how I've seen certain things, like with the Mount situation, I think we could all agree that he's not performed well for the last six six or seven games. I mean, even against um, Aston Villa, where he scored at Worldie, I thought he was quite poor, to be honest, for a large proportion of the game. Um, or a large portion of the game. But for me... Playing Tammy, playing um, um, Mount, playing Reese James, I, I actually don't necessarily mind the shoehorning. Um, and I say this because all I've wanted for the last year and a bit is to get a manager in that will give these young players experience. And whether that's positive experiences where they're winning and experiences where they're losing, just the game experience in the senior leagues um against men, knowing the importance of winning important games, losing big games, just that element. I need, I've I've always wanted for this to happen. I've wanted for these players to go through these experiences. Um, So Lampard trying to shoehorn Mount in isn't necessarily a problem for me. It's a frustration because I, in the short term, I'm thinking, okay, Lamps, you could probably get top four if you don't do this. Like, and... But in the bigger picture, in the in the overall picture of Mason Mounts getting game experience, he's getting forty games a season in the senior, the best league in the world, in the Champions League. Well, I'm not gonna say the best league in the world, but you know, they they tout it as the best league in the world. Um, and then getting Champions League experience as well, I can't complain. But it's it is hampering the the team's progress, in my opinion. I do think that. Kante, Jorginho and Kovacic is our best um, midfield um, trio. And mm. I do think that Mason Mount probably would be better suited to playing out wide um, in this current moment in time. But, yeah, I, 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 I do see, I do understand to a degree why Lampard's doing it. Because um, I think the 4 3 one is where he wants to go eventually. But... I don't think it's helping us. And I think it definitely destabilises us a lot. Uh, for me, um, I think we've spoken about it as well in terms of like the idea that we're... What, one thing that I'm realising almost is um, in comparison with a lot of other managers that have taken us over, um, they, I can see almost Lampard formulating his idea in front of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for instance, when we, when we speak about shape, um, if that's his preferred formation or preferred shape, seeing how we play, what areas we, we kind of focus our attacks through, what sorts of players we rely upon, 
um, all of that sort of stuff. I think he's literally finding out at the same time. And one, a lot of ex- more experienced managers, what they have is an idea. And then when they come to see the players, you kind of, you, they tweak it. They yeah. tweak their, their almost philosophy around what they have. Whereas I feel like there's a, there's a kind of mesh of him tweaking for what he has, but also trying to get the best out of what he wants. Yeah. Um, and that. with that, in, with that in mind, um, I think he wants people like Mount in the team because of their willingness to take shots, because of the risk element. You see like an expansiveness in the way Kovacic is playing. Yeah. But then I think at the same time, he's not seeing the... He's not... Or rather he is, and he's ignoring the trade-off between. So like the, the idea that he wants to be expansive is clear. Yeah. And I think that's why he's persisting with the shape. Um, but the degree at which it's hindering us is, is more significant than I think... Um, you probably account for. You can, can see that as well with some of yeah. his... Sorry, Pels. You can see that as well with some of his like um, team selections as well because like, what you're saying about him learning, kind of like as he's not learning, but um, he's working it out as he's going along as well and learning new things himself is that he's... You can see it because in his press conferences afterwards, he's saying what he wants, but then it's not really correlating with who he's playing. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, So he's like, oh, I don't want to see the ball go from left-back to a centre-back, centre-back to centre-back, centre-back to right-back, right-back to centre-back. But the thing is, you're playing Aspie. Bro, it's going to go back to the centre-back. He's right. not comfortable on the ball. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I like, he, like, he's playing players in certain positions. He wants he wants a certain thing from them, but they're not, they're not going to do that. And, like, I, I just don't... I'm, that's where I think some fans are, are getting frustrated as well because they're seeing... Say for example, he's like, "Oh, I want you know, I want us to be more clinical in the final third." But anybody that knows Willian knows he's not clinical. Right. I get you. I fully hear what you're saying. I fully hear what you're saying, and it's like it's baffling because if you look at, um, like, despite the fact that Hudson's been very rusty for the last couple of weeks, when he has been getting on the pitch, I think in the last game against Bournemouth, I thought he came on. He looked very, very bright. Bar his first touch, which could have let them score, in, it could have led them to score on <laughs> a goal. Um, bar that, I thought he was very, very good when he came on. Um, very positive. Oh, and the final last minute cross. But again, we're not going to talk too much about that. He didn't have that much time. But yeah, anyway, he play, I thought he played quite decent and he was quite aggressive and he was whipping balls into the box. Um, I, I just look at, do you know what is here? I look at our front three with Pulisic, um, Tammy, and William. And I think Tammy's doing his job. It's very difficult to criticise Tammy. Very, very difficult. Because I think he's doing everything that's necessary and asked of him. Um, what? He's like two and three. Um, or goal ratio two and three. every. So he's scoring every other game. Um, but my problem with Tammy, was not even necessarily Tammy. It's the service that he's getting. Like, I look at Mason Mount. I look at Pulisic. I look at William. And people say, oh, yeah, Pulisic is very creative. Cool. People look. People talk about Mason Mount at you know number ten, and you look at William. These guys are not feeding him at all. If you look at Tammy and his goals, a lot of them are coming from actual assists from our fullbacks. I'm just looking at him, thinking, what the hell is actually going on? Because Pulisic ain't creating anything for Tammy. Um, William ain't definitely. William's a bull hog, so he's not creating anything for Tammy. So I'm thinking, surely, surely Hudson should come in. Because I think that Hudson got dropped um, for far less than some of the performances that Pulisic and Mount are putting in, for sure. Maybe it's as a result of, you know, Hudson's injury and you're trying to ease him back in. But, I mean, 
With an injury like that, you kind of want the player to get as many games as possible to get the rustiness out of their system, surely. Um, yeah. But uh, it's a bit of a weird one for me. I'm thinking, okay, Hudson's performances before he got dropped, I mean, Ajax, he wasn't even necessarily poor. His finishing was poor, but he got into areas well. Um, he was always a threat, but his finishing just wasn't clinical. Um, so I'm just thinking, well... Maybe Lampard should really be turning to Hudson Odoi at this moment in time because clearly with Pulisic and Willian in particular, it's not working. Mount isn't really working, so maybe something needs to give, and one of them needs to step aside for Hudson. Maybe he's thinking it's a bit too soon for Hudson. I don't know, but I think I think we're actually calling for Hudson right now because I'm looking at our attack and thinking this is very unthreatening, uninspiring, and Tammy just going to continue to suffer. No, I agree. And I think where, where teams now are almost kind of, they've taken the sting, of, sting out of how good we were century, like beginning part of the season, progressing the ball through midfield, Kovacic, Jorginho, tight spaces, all this sort of good stuff we were seeing. They're almost kind of daring the team now to use the use width and they're sort of almost like, you know, there's no respect for Pulisic or Willian because they're like, okay, if they're going to get the ball, then you know they're probably not going to hurt us. So I think that it's almost kind of crying out for, for the at least Lampard to, to almost... Know, kind of overload the the wide channels. I mean, looking particularly at someone like Reese James to play a lot more regularly than uh, than Aspelacueta because you know if, if we're having to switch the play from centre backs to to full backs, if if the full back can actually you know control the ball in 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 this sort of stride and push forward and put across him, all of a sudden and then they have to start respecting that as a as an option when it goes to Aspelacueta. You know, completely agree with what was said earlier. You know, it just comes back to centre backs every single time. If teams know that that we're predictable in terms of that we won't create from out wide, then this kind of suffocation of the middle area of the pitch mm-hmm. is going to work virtually every single game. You have to start giving teams different problems. I think Callum, mm-hmm. with how direct he is, and also Reese James playing wide, just just because of his crossing ability, if teams don't start respecting the wide areas of the pitch again, they won't be able to suffocate the middle. You know, yeah. you've, you've, we've got we've got to look for a different option because if you're pinging the ball to Willian or pinging the ball to Pulisic, you know, 30, 40 yards from goal. I don't trust them to, to, you know, like Callum can maybe beat two, three players and put a cross and or get a shot in. Mm. Same with Reese James, he can beat, you know, he can beat a wide player, he can beat a full back and get a cross in. Um, you know, I, I just don't see that with with the kind of wide players we're playing. You know, and you know, Tammy is, is then just standing up front by himself, you know, waiting for someone to put a ball in or or, or someone who is, you know, incapable of picking him out. So, you know, Lampard for me, he's got he's got to start mixing it up because yeah. we're, we're just literally by team selections. You know, playing into into you, how teams want to play against us. Like the thing is, it has you, to change. You can I think with as well, like um, similar to Jorginho last season. Jorginho, remember at the beginning of the season, he had like a stormer. Like he was playing so sick. Everybody was like, yeah, this is why we bought Jorginho for Sari, etc. All of that. And then teams started to clock onto his game. And it started. And, and I think with Pulisic, I think teams are going to slowly start clocking on how he plays the game. Yeah. Well. Like, Remember, he's new to the league, so naturally, when you start, when when you go up against him, you're not going to know how he plays because it, obviously it's the first time in the league. But like, as the league goes on, as the games, as as it goes on, and and, and it gets towards the end of the season, people are going to start clocking on to how he plays, and it's going to be easier for them to play against him. I think we've seen that now. I think with Pulisic, though, I, I hear you to a degree, but at the same time, I do think that Pulisic is rather one-dimensional. Mm, um, mm. So it's not necessarily going to take a masterstroke to really work him out. No. Um, if you're strong and athletic, Pulisic will have problems against you um, because he can't necessarily bypass you. Um, yes. And he can't. So Sadibi, for example, 
um, Everton's a right back. Absolutely monster. And that's, and that's as a result of him being a lot... He's one, he's super athletic, very strong, um, and he's a good defender. So you couldn't get past him. Every time Pulisic got the ball, he, he got tight to Pulisic. Pulisic kept dropping to the floor because he just didn't really have a clue what to do and how to how to beat him. And I think that's the, one of the biggest criticism I had of Pulisic is that one, he wasn't aggressive in his movement. He wasn't aggressive in trying to take on Sidibe. And even if he thought, okay, Sidibe has my number in trying to bypass him. But Mitchell game up. He didn't do anything. Um, and that, that that's what I mean by one-dimensional. It's quite problematic that a winger or a forward player doesn't try and sh- change their game or alter their game a bit to then try and beat um, or um, beat their fullback. I mean, yeah. he may have not necessarily... But that's the thing. You don't know. He may have actually not just had an answer for, for Sidibe. He may have just not had it in him to, to, to beat him. I think, he, I think he does. But it's just game intelligence, I think. Um, there was... Um, it's just... A, I want to go back to your point about shoehorning players in. Um, because I think for the last four or five games... and Again, I want to talk about um, Aspie. Um, I wouldn't say Aspie's been terrible by any stretch. Because um, I, I think he's defensively, he's kind of done his jobs in, in, in most games. Um, he's definitely been a marked improvement from what I was seeing in the first half of the season. Absolutely. But going forward, it is such a struggle. Like, I, I, like if you play him left or right back, you're just thinking, oh, you're getting nothing from him. Nothing from him. And it's... It's sad to see. It's sad to see. And I don't... It does baffle me why Lampard has stopped playing Reese James um, regularly. Because, surely, if Tammy feeds on balls in the box, why would you not play your best crosser of the ball? Um, it, it It is so confusing. And you've got another one in Hudson, who's probably your second best crosser of the ball in the, in, in, in the team. So I, I don't understand it. It is kind of confusing. I... I'm hoping that Frank will evaluate because he seemed very, very angry after the Bournemouth game. And I'm hoping that he had a, a slight awakening and he may make some changes for the Tottenham game because there's no way he can go into the Tottenham game with that same team and expecting a different result. There's no way. Otherwise, you know, he might as well pack it all in because it's, it's crazy. He needs to change something. Um, and I, I do think... Aspi probably needs to have a, a, a sit down. Mason Mount may probably need to sit down and it'll get go back to the midfield three, and hopefully we just take it from there. Um, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Um, I do want to um, talk about a couple of transfers because obviously we're complaining about our wide players. We're complaining about William and, and Pulisic, um, and Frank has even alluded to it. He kind of wants some wide man. Like he wants a couple of wide guys um, to improve us, and hopefully, you know, now we 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 know our fate in the Champions League against Bayern Munich. Um, hopefully, kind of help us in that regard. And I think getting a wide player that can do damage will definitely help our attack a million percent. Um, we've been linked with um, Wilfred Zaha, um, Timo Werner, obviously Jaden Sancho. Um, I kind of want to get you guys' thoughts on these transfers, Joe, especially. Um, what do you think these players are? Well, who of the three would you prefer, 
And what do you think individually they could actually bring to the table at Chelsea? And what do you think that we're lacking currently that they can bring? So, I mean, I, th- I think for me, first of all, I- I'm looking at kind of the, you know, w- what is the what is the goal with this January transfer window? So, for me, in- if the club are investing quite significantly, it's to push on and and solidify a top four place because, you know, all of these kind of dream scenarios that people are going on about in the summer, if we're not in the Champions League, then then you can chuck that out the window. That there won't be these sort of you know, kind of landmark players, even sort of landmark young players coming. So, you know, if you've kind of got that hat on, that this is almost like a short to, to mid-term purchase then then someone like Zaha is, is the guy that I'm looking at and you know I think a little bit I touched on in, in the group chat is this kind of insane snobbery that Chelsea fans have about sort of buying players from from sort of Premier League clubs or Zaha himself mm-hmm. you know you look at the Liverpool side which is currently one of the best in Europe absolutely bossing the Premier League I think half of their starters were bought from from lower ranked Premier League clubs you've got uh what Robinson, the left back, you've got Van Dijk was at Southampton, Henderson from Sunderland, Wijnaldum from, from Newcastle, uh, Mane from Southampton again. You know, then obviously you, look, you could say Salah potentially didn't fit at Chelsea as well, you know, was moved on from Chelsea, Adam Lallana from Southampton. You know, they have all of these players that they've bought from from quote unquote lesser lesser clubs and they've gone on to become you know, one of sort of the better sides in, in English football over the past five years. And I think Zaha for me potentially he's you know, he's Premier League ready. He's he's at the peak of his powers in terms of his age. And I think as a, as a wide forward, you know, if we're talking about the whole, you know, PMP concept of bringing in someone who's got pace, power, trippy and can shoot, he fits the mould. Yes, you're probably going to overpay for him. Um, the figures that are being thrown around from him are, are pretty significant. But if it's an £80 million, you know, pound hedge to, to ensure that you get in the Champions League and can then, you know, go and buy the, the sort of players that, that you maybe want to in the summer, then for me, it's more than worth it. Mm. Um now, Sancho, I think, probably is a little bit of a pipe dream just because of how well Dortmund are doing and how well he's playing. You'd be very surprised if Chelsea were to were to get him in January. Um, also, I imagine, would be someone quite difficult to sign in the in the summer for not in the Champions League. And Timo Werner, again, I think, really, really interesting player. Um, I think that there's kind of two ways that I think I would see him panning out. You know, I've watched a lot of him for, for Leipzig, but also for Germany. And I think as a, as a lone striker, someone spearheading an attack, I've been been pretty disappointed with him for, for Germany and that could just be an international football thing but when I've seen him play really well for Leipzig it's been in the two um, and, and the, the kind of comparison I'm making is when Aguero was at Atletico played a lot with Forlan, Torres you know he wasn't really always a, a lone striker from from what I can remember of him so you know, he could either come into the Premier League and adapt and become a bit more of a spearhead like Aguero was smaller player who's got that sort of similar skill set mm. um, or he can be one of these players that we've seen is is excellent in a counter-attacking side with loads of space in behind you know someone who is a fantastic athlete really really great finisher um, but maybe doesn't have the the skill set to, to fit a, a team that often sees teams defending on the edge of their penalty areas mm. so no, I think when people look at players and analyse them, it's just not a, a question of saying, yeah, Timo Werner is a no, he's a very good player. It's, it's would he fit the, the style of play at Chelsea and would he fit the, the style of play that we're likely to see in the Premier League with you know these kind of deep block defensive lines and three and three you know three centre backs. Um, that that I'm a little less uh, certain on that he can have the, the kind of physical prowess and and you no know, and, and the ability a little bit like a grower who's quite stocky and quite powerful and quick to sort of deal with with some of those centre backs that he's going to play against because for Germany. When he's been by himself, I think he's he's left a little bit to to be desired. But you know, if we're, if we're going all in on a player, for me it has to be Zaha just because of his. You know, he is literally a a, a drag and drop player, dragging from Palace, drop him into Chelsea, play him right or left. You know, potentially someone that, that can play down the middle. You know, in in kind of a situation as well, and he gives you that directness, he gives you that athleticism. I think he's the most foul player in the league. 
you know, I think potentially as well that he would be one of those players that he's he's had the, he's had a taste of it at United. He's mm. come back to Palace. He's sort of found his form now, and I think he would really sort of work well on this Chelsea side and be be kind of the winger that I think Lampard is uh, is after. Yeah, I mean, in terms of wingers, I think there's a big danger in signing uh, a Jadon Sancho. Yeah, because if you think about it. You don't want to be a team filled with youngsters. I think you need a mix and blend of experience, quality, and youth. Yeah, um, 100%. So if you're signing a player that will cost 150 mil or 140 million pounds, yeah, he comes into the league, you've got big expectations because he will be your franchise player, basically. Um, if he doesn't hit the ground running, you know how Chelsea fans are. You know how a lot yeah. of football fans are. If you don't hit the ground running, oh, we paid £140 million, we're expecting this, 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 we're expecting that, that, that. I mean, the weight of expectations could actually make it a bad transfer. Whereas I look at a Zaha, and I think Zaha is very assured of himself. He knows that he's probably one of the best players, or he knows he's the best player in Palace. So he knows he's a big fish already in a small pond. Um, I think in terms of the weight of expectations, I don't think that, that will necessarily bother him too much because he's already moved to to Manchester United. Although it didn't quite work out for him, um, I think he knows. I guess because it didn't work out, then he'll be even more determined to make it work this time. Um, I think the idea of him playing in the Champions League may inspire him as well. Um, I, I I think there are far too many positives than negatives in signing Zaha. Yes, he may not be the most aesthetically pleasing footballer in the country. Yes, he may not be the most consistent footballer in the country, but we can't deny his talents. He is a very, very good footballer. On his day, very, very difficult footballer to control and contain. So I think out of all the options, he is probably the one that makes the most sense in January. Again, to solidify top four, to secure our um, our position, and in it, at the end of the day, if you get a Zaha, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the end for um, Jaden Sancho or Timo Werner. It doesn't at all because you know Pedro. He's probably gone in the summer. Pedro's gone. Williams. Williams probably, probably gone. You still need to go and get a winger in the summer, so, regardless so, if, if you buy in January. So yeah, exactly. So I think people shouting down or trying to rubbish this Zaha move is it. I think it's quite crazy, to be perfectly honest, because I think he's slot right in. and mm-hmm. I, I, Yeah, hit the ground running completely, exactly. and that's exactly what you need from a January signing. He doesn't have two, three months to get acclimatised yeah, because the season's done. He doesn't need, he needs to someone adapt. to come in and, and have an impact straight away. I, I think I think Zaha works as in terms of like the factors that you lot have considered and the variables that are kind of at play um, with regards to our January, um, and also with regards to... to Almost the skill set that we need. Um, so when, when you spoke about Pulisic earlier, I kind of wanted to interject in terms of um, just the type of winger he is. I feel like he's he does his best work off the wide, off the byline, off the touchline. Mm. It's kind of infield in the pocket. Yeah. Um, but he needs to drift into those spaces. So in the games against um, Everton, where there wasn't a lot of that space, and he was kind of forced to make something happen alongside the touchline or the byline and whatnot. Um, that was when it, it was it is a little bit easier to kind of dominate him. Yeah. Um, and with that being said, I do think that his he does have a skill set that that has value, um, hundred percent. But it's more a case of and and with that, sorry, in terms of drifting, 
those sorts of players can be a bit more passive because they wait for a lot of the time to find space and then wait for the pass. Um, so that he's waiting for that opportunity to make his impact or make his mark. Whereas I feel like someone like Zaha gets the ball and then, and then kind of forces his way through. Um, and that in itself, um, similar to kind of when, when we had Callum and Hazard playing at the same time under Sari last year, um, the, the, few, the few occasions that we saw it, you then kind of had people doubling up on either side of the pitch. Right. You had the ball being switched over very quickly and make, and you saw like a kind of panic and, and fear in defenders. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Zaha gives you that. Where I feel like it's not just mere snobbery or, or kind of down to pure aesthetic, I do think that he, he leaves a lot to be desired in terms of the end product. Um, I do think there should be question marks over, over his ability to produce and not, not necessarily because um, of his numbers per se, but just the frequency at which he gets into kind of prominent positions. A little bit, and it's going to sound weird, but a little bit like Marcus Alonso where you kind of see someone in a dangerous area and then sometimes are kind of shocked at what is produced. Yeah. I do feel like um, Zaha has more of those moments than he should for someone of his ability. Um, even like his crossing technique, it, it looks like a clipped cross as opposed to a whip. Um, and it's not, this isn't even a, um, a dig. It's more so about that. <laughs> no, I get it though. He laces yeah, it. He, la- he, he, he clips it up. And you know like the video, the video that my man did on, um, he was trying to copy Trent. It kind of yeah. looks like that. That's what I was like, um, so yeah, I'm kind of um, that sort of stuff is where I've more got a question mark because it's not about his ability to dribble one v one, and it's not to say that we don't need that sort of player, and not to say that he wouldn't lift us because when you look at uh, an attack of Zaha, Tammy, and and Pulisic or Zaha, Hatsunadoy, and, and and Tammy, you then have a little bit more um, zeal, a little bit more excitement in terms of what you're watching, um, and he, I, I think there's a lot of upside to Zaha, but I, I, I don't want to to label the kind of um, the anti-Zaha, if, there is, if that's what you can call it, um, clan or side, down to just pure snobbery. I, I do think there's there's a little bit more on that side. No, yeah. I, I agree. I think like a lot of fans have obviously said as well, like the main thing that they've been going on about is obviously the price. And then what they've said is, um, obviously they, then they go straight to the stats. But my thing about, about Zaha is, yeah, and everybody will know for a fact that I've, I've been talking about him the most in terms of getting into Chelsea. And the reason being as well is because I feel like there's just so much more for him to give to a top club in the league. Like in terms of, if you think about what he has to do for Palace in terms of in attack, if if Andros Townsend is not playing, you're talking about him playing up, up top with a striker that didn't go, what, what did he go? Like two years without scoring a goal or something yeah. like that? Yeah. Teke. And then you're talking about switching, you're switching to going from playing with Ben Teke to Tammy Abraham, who's pretty, like, we all agree he's probably a better striker than Menteke. Mm-hmm. So, like, you've got that, and then you've got players on the pitch that are creating more space for you, giving you more opportunity. You're not going to be exhausted from flipping, running all the way back to defend for your life because you're playing, like, the most negative football. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's mm-hmm. so many things that, that I think affect Zaha's game as well that people don't really take into consideration. I think with Zaha... He's going to be so much more relaxed playing in that Chelsea team and he'll be more excited about playing his football. He is enjoying his football now and he said that, but I think he'll enjoy it much more at Chelsea. And like you said as well before, the money you guys said that, um, he's going to be uh, hungry to prove a point as well. Mm. I think Sancho at the moment, I don't know how hungry Sancho is going to be coming to Chelsea because he's kind of the top dog already right now, like in the way everybody's after him. Like, I don't know what his mentality is like, but I'm just saying like, 
I I feel like Zaha will be the one that's more hungry to prove a point and come to Chelsea and you know kind of kind of do what Salah did for Liverpool. So come come back to the Prem. He's not. He's obviously already in the Prem, but like Salah, come back to the Prem, prove a point that yo I can bang thirty goals a season. Do you see what I'm saying? And I think Zaha wants to prove that point as well. I don't like. I don't think he is a ten goal a season player. I think he's got way more than that in his locker. But mm. you know, mm. I've, I've, on the sorry, uh, but on the flip side, I think with with regards to like the stuff about um, almost everything going through Zaha and him having to put the team on his back, it, mm. I think there's a, there's almost like a danger, or like a a kind of uh, an alternate an alternate um, side to it in terms of. Actually, what happens now when you when you're seeing less of the ball, you're seeing mm-hmm. far less of the ball, and you have to do what you do in far less time and far less touches. Can you can you kind of make the impact that you're making where the ball's not coming to you on every attack? Do you know what I mean? I yeah. think, um, and also just with the oh, I think I forgot. Oh, and oh, sorry, yeah, with the um, kind of idea that he's got more goals in it. I think he's one of them. He's another one of them wingers that I just feel like expends a lot of energy away from the goal. Um, I think he's he doesn't. Whilst he has the ability to dribble and beat people, um, someone like, um, I know he's not a winger, but just seeing Mason Greenwood the other day, mm-hmm. um, or even Mason Mount, um, they they both kind of work shots and get shots off really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I watch Zaha, I do feel like there's a, it does take a while before he makes that kind of decisive, that decisive move compared to, um, compared to others. That being said, then, he did show a glimpse or does show glimpses of that and it's just, can you refine that? Is, is the reason he's not doing it because because of the team he's playing or or is it just because of him? Because yeah. when he scored against Brighton on Monday, it was kind of two touches, work a yard and, and have a shot, really. Because yeah. was he like this at Palace as well? You know, when, when Palace were coming up, was he... I can't remember whether he was like quite prolific or not. Like no. for them. He, he wasn't prolific. No. He wasn't prolific at all. Oh, no. it, was, it, it was just him and Balassi doing, doing madness, isn't it? And like they were just playing well. But yeah. I think with, with Zaha as well, though, I do like the fact that he's he's got that element of like um like in his mentality I think he's not scared to like carry a team on his back. And I know like we we wanted to get rid of that with with Hazard yeah and I'm not saying he's going to come and do what Hazard did. But I feel like in a game like Bournemouth the other day I'd be confident in trying to win that game with someone like Zaha on the pitch because I feel like out of anybody I don't think Sancho will find like a moment like that like the same way because I think Sancho like watching the other day as well, like in that game against Leipzig, the defending was so so poor. Like teams in the Premiership won't move like like from their goal like that. Like it was mad the way it yeah. was just open. I and mean, I just like Sancho will struggle in a lot of like I don't think it's going to be as rosy as people think when when um, Sancho's playing in the Prem for the first time again. I like, mean, come, nah, I disagree. Um, I disagree big time. Um. Yeah, I, I I said it before and I say it again. The German league defensively is shocking. Um, the Leipzig game was embarrassing defensively. I see too many horrible mistakes from both sides. Um, but that being That's said, that being play. said, wait, that being said, yeah, looking at Sancho's quality alone, yeah, the the defensive errors and the defense the defensive play full stop does not detract away from Sancho's quality. So with Sancho, one of his special qualities, which people seem to always look past, is his ability to make the right decision more often than not. And I'd say it's probably nine out of ten times. He makes the right decision 
executes the right pass, the right finish, the right cross, nine times out of ten. That is a supremely gifted skill to have. How many times would Pulisic or winning get into the box and make the wrong decision? So yeah, having a player that can actually unlock when they get into that area, more often than not, is an exceptional, exceptional weapon to have. So I think you, you're somewhat doing Sancho a disservice by saying that you don't think he'd be able to do that because I think no, 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 that... I'm because I think Sancho not. will have, I think Sancho has way more in his just artillery in terms of unlocking than Zaha does. I'm not saying he won't do it at all. I'm saying people go off his stats now, yeah, of this eleven goals and like eleven goals in tennis or mm-hmm. like it's, it's a bit more than that now because of the other day. Mm. But like, what I'm saying is, I'm not getting carried away with them stats because what I'm saying is, I don't think like. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, because he's got 11 goals and 10 assists, um, uh, 11 assists and 10 goals in that in that league or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to come and do that over here. I think it's dramatically going to drop. That's what I'm saying. I, I personally think that. I, I don't think they're going to be that high. Mm-hmm. It's already December and he's got that. Um, that's that's his stats. Like, that is mental. No. It's, it's mental and his ability is crazy. Right. But what I'm saying is, I don't mm-hmm. think the stats are going to be like that. Uh- in, I don't in, think you, they need to be like that. They don't need to be, but you need to bear yeah. in mind if you're if you're yeah, looking if you're looking at Chelsea, Chelsea are the second, if not I think first or second most creative side in the league. So if that yeah. is the case, and in terms of XG and expected goals, yeah. So yeah. if you get a winger or a player that has output like that, and it's not just because of the league, I personally think that Sancho's output is literally because of his quality. And him being able to pick and make the right decisions at the right time, pretty much every time. So I think if you take him out of that Dortmund team and put him into a Chelsea team, a team that creates a lot of chances, I think he will do a madness statistically. Do we have players like him already, though? No. No, we do not. No, we do not. No, I don't think we do. No, we do not. I think um, one thing I will say, though, is that the bottom line in terms of whether it's um, Sancho or Zaha, um, or, or any other winger, Leon Bailey, I've seen us mention, um, Samuel Chikawesi, I've seen mention. I think um, the bottom line is that they, they add an extra bit of quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what, um, is, what is ironic with kind of what you were saying earlier, Jermaine, about just not wanting to necessarily rely on one player, but feeling like Zaha has the capability of, of winning us that Bournemouth game. I think that's what you get when you have any sort of player with some quality. quality when you yeah. see someone with with uh, one exceptional ability, whether it's 1v1s, whether it's the ability to, to create a chance or to come up with something from nothing. Um, that, However that manifests, when, when you get um, players with certain levels of attacking quality, that's what you're going to get. And I think that's what we need to be targeting in the sense that those games, whilst, whilst we have a lot of problems in terms of defending and restricting teams in transition, um, in the games where kind of teams are parking the bus and where I feel like at the moment there isn't this clear structure and tackle idea of formulating you might need someone to just come up with something from nothing and that's one thing that I'd say we lack significantly in terms of Pulisic in terms of Tammy despite scoring goals I don't think he has a massive capability to do that um, in terms of Willian in the, in the eight or so years he's been here I've seen those moments so rarely um, I'm, I'm crying out for a Zaha I'm crying out for a Sandra I'm crying out for someone to kind of come and do that mm-hmm. um, so yeah so I'm, I'm kind of I'm, I'm happy with Eva, um, 
and despite despite uh, despite feeling that you know Zaha has slightly more deficiency um, and potentially and obviously I feel genuinely that he has less quality, but make what Zaha brings is so unique and so useful that we we can't be stupid and and look down or look look um, yeah look down at him really. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. So, looking at well, this weekend's game um, against Tottenham, Jose Mourinho versus Frank Lampard. I want to say Jose Mourinho versus Jody Morris because they've had a little bit of of digs. Well, Jody had a bit of digs at Jose, um, and since that tweet, oh god, <laughs> we've only won one game. So, <laughs> I think it's a big day. It's a very very big day. Um, obviously, Jose coming back to the league. Um, Spurs are right up our backsides now. They're three points behind us. They got a last-minute goal against Wolves. Oh, yeah. Look, as as much as my expectations weren't to finish in the top four this season, and I, they still haven't changed, but us being 12 points behind in front of Spurs and for them to then go get the top four and Jose as their manager, would make me sick. So, we need to do everything in our powers not to lose that game. Because, yeah, it's a, it's a big, big... Di- it's just a big issue um, for momentum for them, anyway. Um, if they leapfrog us and get to fourth by the end of the year, it's just, it's just not a good look um, just for the rest of the season. So, what, we, what, what do you think, first of all, would Frank... What do you think his team will be? Um... Because I, I do think he will change it up. Um, I'll be very scared and shocked if he if he doesn't change it up and goes into that game four two three one um, and have the same personnel. But what do you think the team will be, Joe? And um, how would you play it? And how would your team differ to what you think he would do um, for the game? God, um, I mean, I think the the, the reality is that, that you know Tottenham for the past couple of seasons have not needed any motivation to play against us at all. And you add in the Mourinho factor, then you add in the fact that they can, I don't know if they jump ahead of us on goal difference, but they can at least, you know, match us on points if they if they beat us and we've got a slightly tougher run of games in them coming up. So I, I think the motivation is there. Um, I think, you know, the past couple of seasons that they have very much just tried to sort of kick us off the pitch and, uh, you know, sort of be physically dominant. Eric Dyer's had uh, some horrific games where he's just been pretty much allowed to do what he wants in midfield. And I'm looking at sort of Endon Bele, Sissoko, you know, uh, Son, Ali, etc. You know, these are players I think we will probably have problems uh, dealing with if we stick to sort of the, the kind of selections that Lampard's been been dropping the past couple of games. Um, I mean, I potentially, and again, this is maybe a little bit sort of uh, outside the box, I would maybe look at putting someone like Reece James in midfield for this game just purely to match up with with some of the physicality that Tottenham have in there. Mm. I'm not super confident with, with Ndombele, Sissoko, Ali, etc. Mm. matching up even against Kante, Jorginho and, and Kovacic. I think that they will win that fairly comfortably if, if it's just a straight three-on-three battle. Yeah. Um, I think Maurer and, and, and Son, um, if, if they're starting again, will we'll cause our, our, our full-backs and generally centre-backs a problem and, and Harry Kane is Harry Kane. So, I think that if we go in with what we've done, you know, recently, I think that it's it's it doesn't look too great. I mean, I would try and potentially, as I say, maybe move Reese into midfield and just just give some a little bit of stability and a bit of bit of power in there, a bit of aggression. Because I think if we don't match Tottenham's kind of aggression and and, and the way that they'll try and come at us, I think it, it could be quite a long day for us. So I think maybe sort of similar kind of back four to what we've seen. I would I would still keep Aspilicueta in there. Um, 
Tomori, I bring back in if he's fit with uh, Rudiger or Zuma. Um, Emerson at left back, probably Reese, maybe Jorginho, Kante or Kova. Maybe go with a, a, one of them as, as the as the number ten. Maybe Kova, mm-hmm. and then uh, I'd go with uh, Callum. Uh, probably Pulisic on the right and, and Tammy up front, but I think we've we've got to really focus on winning that midfield because if, if we don't, um, I think it's going to be quite a long day and and, and end on Belly and Sissoko. Um, we'll we'll have a field day against us, I think. Okay, fair enough. Um, does anyone have a different um, lineup to to Joe? Because it is quite alternative. It's out there. It is out there. Yeah, out I mean. there. <laughs> um, I'm not. I've, I'm not going to chime in with anything Cavalli. In terms of the lineup, because I'm not really, I don't really obsess over them. Other than um, Azpi and Reese, and it's more obviously in skill set. Um, I do think Emerson and Reese James should play most games, um, just on the basis of what they give us offensively, and um, being comfortable on the ball and just adding a bit of dynamism. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to see Hudson get um, a start, not. Um, based necessarily off of his performances when he's had cameos, but more so based off of what the, his, his kind of rivals in those positions have done. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think he was right R against Bournemouth. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of just take a punt almost um, because it hasn't been working the last couple of weeks. And I, I think it's less so to do with personnel um, as individuals. I think that the, we've got like a median level of quality um, that isn't the highest. So when when we swap someone out, the the, the drop off isn't massive. It's more so the skill set that they're bringing us that's affecting us. Right. Um, so yeah, I'd say Hudson because of what he because of what he brings in terms of one v one, and hopefully if he's firing, um, he takes people on and kind of gets that the likes of Aurea and chops him inside and out inside out. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Rhys James, yeah, I, I, those would only be my real significant changes, um, and probably go go over midfield three, ideally with Kante, Georgina, and Kovacic. But I'm not necessarily I wouldn't be horrified if, if Mount started in a midfield three it's more so the kind of number 10 thing that, right. that I've got an issue with at the right. moment but because yeah. you know Mason Mount's best performance of the season for me came against um, Ajax away playing left midfield and he, I thought it was fantastic so I hear you it's not necessarily the personnel it's more about shape team shape and how exposed it leaves us in the midfield um, Jermaine how would you play the, how would you play it <laughs> Yeah, no, I I agree with the Emerson and James shout. Like, I think they should play same like most games. I don't think like, I just don't see a valid reason as to why James shouldn't play right now. Um, where Lampard is playing such like or trying to play like such expansive and attacking football, I feel like we need our best players on the pitch in terms of when we're going forward as well. So, main reason Emerson and James have to play. Mm-hmm. I I read Hudson to take. Willian's place on Sunday. On the right hand side. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think Dan made a valid point about him playing on the right hand side and what it would do for his confidence. And I think when you play on that left hand side, um, you expect a little bit more in terms of creativity, um, especially when he comes inside. It's a much harder thing to do, in my opinion. Whereas on the right, he just has to kind of beat his man and get his crossing. Mm-hmm. And Hudson is like really good at doing that. Just beating a man, getting a crossing, whether it be low, um, whether it be high, wh- wh- whatever it is, he's 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 good. He's a good crosser all round. So um, I'd like to see him and James play on that right hand side. Yeah. Uh, the midfield three. Um, I do agree with Joe when he says that there there is a chance that they could get out muscled very easily in that midfield. But I do think as well, 
in the form that Kovacic has been in and Jorginho when, I, when they're on the pitch at the same time because I do want to give them a choose like they have been balling out certain certain games as well so I don't think it's you know like a complete like they're not going to trample all over us that's mm. what I'm saying I think I think we can play around them we just got to have one of them like really good games you know what I mean yeah. And if Canton's Canton, we can we can definitely win that game with them in there. I do think, in terms of PNP, I think Kovacic's pace and power is very, very underrated. Um, mm, I think yeah. he's very comfortable in terms of like beating a press. Um, he's resistant to certain challenges. He's very, very robust, um, especially when carrying the ball. So I don't necessarily have a, an issue with him. It's more Jorginho. And I guess if you bypass Jorginho and you're right into our back four, then it's an issue. Um, so I, I, I would, I think I'd actually play three at the back, um, only because I know that players like Son and players like Mora, they're going to be inverted a lot of the time. So the threat ain't going to necessarily be out wide. So I'd, I'd want them to come in as much. I want to stiffen up, uh, flesh up our back, uh, our, our defense as much as possible. So I'd play three at the back. Um, play um, Emerson and um, James at left and right wing back, and I'd have Hudson Odoi and uh, I think I might have Mason Mount in that game. But then again, in transition, uh, I'd have okay, I'd have Hudson Odoi and Pulisic, and then I have Tammy up front. I'd have a midfield of Kovacic and Kante. Um, Jorginho, I'd leave him out. And the reason why is that, yeah, we may struggle to build, but I don't think in that formation you necessarily need to be building from the centre of the pitch. You could build from out wide and basically doubling up on their, t- their full-backs. Um, and to be honest, that's kind of what we've been doing a lot of in terms of building out wide. Exactly. But one thing that I think um, we kind of overlook, and you touched upon it ironically with when we were calling for like Zaha, um, that, that idea that we don't, no, not that we don't, but you're kind of hesitant to kind of have um, two really young wingers or two young free, free, almost to make up your attack of a, a trident of like just youngsters, basically. Yeah, I think that that is something that you want. You want you want to. I don't know why I'm starting like storms at you, um, <laughs> but you kind of want to move away from that um, in a sense that you want to balance. And right now, even though we don't necessarily have the quality, I think that's probably why Willian does get. The not the most games yeah. as to balance out that responsibility um, and just to have an older head in, in in attack to kind of you'd hope to take some responsibility and because he hasn't been I think it is now time to kind of say actually do you know what let's go and give Julian and Hudson a nod together exactly um, as they did in the League Cup game because it's, it's almost you can rely on that experience um, but at the same time if it's not producing then we also shouldn't hesitate to kind of to, to drop him in that way I agree but Yeah, I, I think Williams. Especially given the fact that he's not necessarily committing to the club as well. I think Frank trying to play him into signing a new deal um, is probably a bit counterproductive. So I think probably giving him a pause, giving him a rest especially. I think William is a type of person, especially against Spurs, that you could bring him on and he could probably inject a bit of pace in life if it's lacking. So I don't think... I think him being on the bench probably might be the most sensible thing to do. Um, so yes, it's a, it is a big game to be honest. I think 
I'd be lying if I said that I weren't worried about it, but it's it's a massive game, and I think it will it will be somewhat ironic if Frank Lampard manages to get a win away from home against Jose Mourinho at Spurs, where Jose was saying that okay, Chelsea they're a worry against the big sides, and he beats them basically. It'd be it'd be massively ironic, um, but. You know, these kind of things happen in football. Um, I want to kind of get your score predictions. So, Pels, what do you think the <laughs> what do you think the score's gonna be? Um I we're away from him, aren't we? Yep. Ooh. <laughs> um, to, be, to be fair though, we've actually been we've been probably worse at home than we have been away. Agreed. Um I, I'm expecting a loss. Not necessarily because of an indictment of like how we play, but I just know that the big games against the, the top six sides, generally, that's what happens. The away team loses. Um, and I'm not convinced off of what I've seen that we're going to do something like mad in this game. Um, but that's what I'm kind of hoping for. So, yeah, I'd probably a, a narrow loss uh, like in terms of we play fairly well, we'll have moments of good sustained kind of football, but probably don't penetrate as well as we would like and you know, mistake or something. So basically yeah. our attack lets us down again. Yeah, to, to basically just, I'd expect the pattern to go the way it's gone in recent games. Okay. In, yeah. Cool. So that's a, what, a 2-1 two, a two loss or 2-0 loss? Yeah, I'll take that. All right. Um, Jermaine, what you said? Um, funny enough, I think because, because of our waveform, I'm going to go for like we have to turn this big big game thing around at one point and I think Tottenham's a good game to be motivated for in that so I, th- I'm, I think we might sneak it 2-1 okay fair enough Joe I what think, do you think I think Korea as well like gives us a chance to be fair hmm. Joe what do you think yeah um, I'd, I'd like to say win I'd say score draw is, is probably realistic so one or one or two or something like that alright so I'm going to go for um, a score draw as well. I'm going to say 2-2. Exciting game. Tammy goal. Mm, yeah, let's say Tammy goal. And let's go Kovacic. So two goals for Kovacic. Yeah, Kovacic and Tammy. Um, but yeah, that was us. Um, we'll see you guys next week again. So get involved in the discussion um, at Touchline Fracas and at Chesi Hour. And yeah, hope to see you and I hope you enjoyed us and you come back and listen to us again next week. But yeah, catch you a lot later. Hopefully we get um, a result against Spurs and all will be well and there'll be no more complaints from me. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates. Now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. Sports Social Podcast Network.